Hello, I'm Craig Constantine. Welcome. This is the Podcaster Community Show, short conversations that are not just about podcasting because I like to take the scenic route. Our guest today is Elise Smith. Welcome, Elise. Hey, Craig. I'm glad to be here. So am I. I I know you through, as a lot of people on the show, I know you through the podcasting course. And um, so we do, we have like 10 minutes before we press record with these things. And, and I'm always, I have like one eye on the clock and one eye on the guest. And we went off, we started going off on like boom mics and mic stands and technical, I'm going to say geeky stuff. I'm a self-outed geek. Um, and I'm wondering if you want to talk about the nuts and bolts of like how you create your show. Like how'd you get to the title? How'd you get to the description? What was it like? Or do you want to just talk about like, this is where you're going with the show. So it's like, yeah, I'll give you a choice. Do you want to do which way book you want to do the, how did you get to it or what are you going to do with it? Yeah. Let's jump in on the nuts and bolts. I think one interesting thing I've learned doing this, uh, the Akimbo workshop for podcasting is about myself is that I really am my the biggest resistance comes from wanting to jump into the nuts and bolts. And so I've actually used this time to say, okay, I'm going to allow myself 20 minutes to pick a mic for my podcast, which was like a horrible <laughs> thought to me. And then I'm like, I'm going to only use whatever they recommend. I'm not going to, cause I'm a research nerd. Mm. And, but I would spend, if I, if give, you know, if I allowed myself like five hours picking a mic, 10 hours picking where to do the recording. And so my goal here was just to try to do a podcast with the least amount of research. And it's been a really interesting experience in term, mm. into the tech, into the tech. Yeah. I, I often think I should tattoo the Pareto principle, 80, 20 on the inside yes. of my eyelids, like you know, yes. on my retinas. So it's just overlaid <laughs> on my universe. What's the simplest thing that could possibly work? Um, which is there's a lot of deep wisdom, right? In avoiding, uh, in the, in we often say podcasting is just it's there's no field with rabbit holes. It's just all rabbit holes. Like the, every <laughs> single bit of it is a hole. I uh, feel that yes. And there's clearly an advantage to having people that are either traveling with you or like right in front of you. You know, go. Eh, you can just step over that rabbit hole. Like just you know, grab any pair of headphones. It's fine. Um, you know, and the people who are really into audios or audiophiles just freaked out. Like, what do you mean? Like headphones are a thing. Um, but I, I'm wondering if there is a piece of that tech or those rabbit holes that you enjoyed digging into. I would say I've enjoyed the rabbit hole. I've loved the most is about the how to interview. So mm -hmm. the you know, learning about open-ended questions versus yes and no. Um, a, a tip I really loved from Tim Ferriss was picking a gold nugget story for the beginning that they've already told nine or 10 times so that they feel super comfortable right at the beginning and then transitioning to content that you haven't mm. heard them say. So I've used that quite a bit. Um, and then the other rabbit hole I did is for my first few podcasts, I was so nervous about the beginning because it always feels so awkward those first four or five minutes. And so I just listened to the beginning of like a hundred podcasts and I realized all of them, <laughs> Joe Rogan, Brene Brown, Dax <laughs> Shepard, they're all awkward. I mean, except for obviously the highly produced ones, but the ones that are just interview, they're all terribly awkward in the first five, four or five minutes. And 
I that made me feel much more peace going into it. I was just like, embrace the awkwardness. I even tell some of the guests, it'll probably be awkward for like four or five minutes. Embrace yeah. it. There's definitely, um, I really, not that I, I don't want to say, I'm always careful. How can we spin this positively? I don't like doing <laughs> podcasts over the internet. This is not my idea of the right way to do this. So this is like strike one right out of the gate is, oh, let's watch, you know, pixelated versions of each other at three frames per second. Well, I think that we should, you know, we're like ripping out all of, the stuff that as human beings, we are hardwired for micro expressions. Oh, that's all gone in video at low frame rate. We're hardwired for timing and all these nuances. So when you mention, you know, all of the conversations or not everyone, I know, I know what you mean. A lot of them, they're awkward when they start. It's like, yeah. And we're trying to do this, you know, we who are trying to do these conversations and in addition to that, we're trying to do it through technology, which makes it even harder. Um, so yeah, when I when I kind of realized like, all right, this is artificially difficult, so it's going to be difficult. Um, I think that's a big, a, a really good point that you make about, yeah, um, in a way this sucks. <laughs> and on top of that, I found my podcast is called How to Disappoint Your Mom. And it stemmed from the fact that I realized a lot of the turning points in my life I was thinking much more about what will they think about me mm. and I and it left little room for what I was thinking about the decision myself. And so I've talked to people about these big turning points they've had in their life where they've had to face some type of social rejection from their family or their friends. And two of those people, one was a divorce that happened recently and the other one was uh being beat by her mom in her childhood and being uh sexually assaulted by her father. And so just the weight of kind of getting into that in the first 10 minutes of the podcast is something that I don't take lightly and was has really been a learning curve for me to figure out how to approach those subjects in a way that people feel comfortable about. And a lot of that happens before you hit record, I found, is figuring out how to, like you, actually, this was a masterclass from you, just saying, we can delete this, nothing has to go out, all of those sorts of things. You see their shoulders kind of drop a little bit every time you say that. <laughs> yeah, well, I, I mean, I appreciate your compliment, and, but I think you're really on to, um, you're really on to something with the point you make. Uh, and my opinion is a lot of it comes from intention. Um, if, uh, not that I've ever, not that I started doing podcasting with the wrong intention, but when I began to actually go, oh, it turned out looking backwards that my default intention worked. I happened to be a stupidly curious, ridiculously passionate. Oh my God. If you like, if you don't like talking to Craig there, you're not hooked up. Right. That may not be true for everybody, but most people love it. Um, but I realized in hindsight that I hadn't done that on purpose. That just worked out that way. And when I started to be more intentional about like the things that you're describing, like setting, you know, setting tone, when I started to really dig into that, I, I found that stuff is just as interesting to me as is the, um, what the conversation accomplishes. So I've had conversations where guests work through things, you know, we go to the dark place and at the very end, I'm like, you know, not right as soon as I hit stop and I'm like, are you okay with that? Do you want to listen to you? Cause I, I'm not a hundred percent sure that the intention of let's, you know, proverbially us who do this. Let's create a safe space. Let's make the guests feel comfortable. I'm not sure that that intention is necessarily going to give us something that should be heard by anybody else. It certainly should be the thing we're doing. We should be coming from that intention. 
Um, but it's interesting when, when you start, like, it's, it's kind of like the more you do it, the better you get at it. Like, you know, and then, it, then you're like, I have to make sure we're using these skills for good. Like, you know, don't go around manipulating people into saying things they didn't want to say in the first place. So you're definitely onto something there. Yes. I think, uh, my wife and I own an editing business and we work with authors before they send book to publication and what's it called? <laughs> it's called, it's called the Tambor Co. Uh, T I M B R E the Tambor Co.com. And cause they warned you, I wouldn't let you get away with skipping yes, the names yes. of things. <laughs> yeah. I forgot about that. Uh, but I think I've just seen part of what I made me want to start the podcast was I've worked with all these authors who go through this process and some of them, you know, only 40 or 50 people read their book at the end of the process, but it is still, I call it a deathbed project because this is what this, they talk about it in the same way they'll talk about their wedding or having kids or designing their, designing like a dream ho mm. home or living overseas. It is something they will remember the rest of their life. That is such a fulfilling experience. And we've actually had clients pass away from cancer who email us in their last three or four months remembering the process of writing the mm. book and what it meant to them. And I realized that the podcast is a lower resistance, easier way for people to explore their life stories, to take that deep dive without all that it takes to put out a book. And that's what I've really enjoyed about it is creating that experience, but it only takes you know two hours for people instead of the hundreds that a book mm -hmm. takes. I'm torn between saying, so I'll just say it. I'll see how far we can go without me actually asking you a question. <laughs> well, but what I'm what I'm fascinated about, um, I'm not. Uh, I'm going to say I'm not fascinated about writing a book. People keep saying I should write. I'm like, no, I really don't want to do it because I think I understand this is going to take a while. This is going to require a bunch of work, uh, and I'm not a particularly fluent writer. Like, I mean, I can sit down and write a blog post. But to write something longer or to carry a train of thought, this is, I'm like, this is going to be hard. But I, I'm interested in your thoughts on, you mentioned that, you know, say a two hour podcast, or in this case, a half hour, you know, recording call, um, is it lower barrier? It's easier for people to engage with that, like the, the guest on the show or the person whose story is being told in the book or whose information is being conveyed. And I think you're right about, because the time commitment is so much less. But I'm also wondering, doesn't it also scare them more? Like I've had guests who are accomplished authors, and when I try to get them on a call for a half hour, I'm gonna press the big red button. They're just like, oh, well, I don't want to, you know, because they feel like it's because it is. It's so much more intimate. Like if you get a human on a podcast as a guest versus a human who wrote a book, the book is much further from the person than the podcast is. So I, I'm just wondering if you've also, since you've clearly picked apart this idea about one being more approachable, and I agree with you. Um, but how do we deal with the fact that, yeah, but podcasting is really intimate, way more intimate than someone writing a book and handing it, you know, to somebody else to read? I think the advantage of podcasting is even if you self-publish a book, typically it'll still take a minimum of a year from the time that you start to write it to the time that it's out there. So you're not really getting that live take. You're not getting quite what it mm. felt like for them right in the experience. And I just, my third guest, she 
Her divorce was finalized on a Tuesday and we had our podcast that Friday. And the entire process happened in less than a year. So a year ago, she wasn't even, she knew she was in an emotionally abusive relationship with a chronic liar, but she really, divorce wasn't even on the table because she came from a conservative Christian background where the only reason to divorce was infidelity or um, someone uh, becoming an atheist. And we were really, she was in such a raw place. She was in a safe place. Like she was ready to share, but it was still, you, you, the advantage of the podcast I found was her, if she wrote a book in three years, it would not be the same experience as listening to her on the podcast mm. 72 hours after her divorce goes through. Right. And I was going to say regarding you saying uh, whether or not you have to be a writer to write a book. Um, I found if you're writing about the right topic, that is crunchy enough, meaning it's really relatable and no one else has written about it. You don't have to be Hemingway to have a good book. Um, it just has to be a topic people really care about that hasn't, hasn't been touched on in that way before. Hmm. I'm that's not a, pitching you on a book because you really have to. <laughs> that's, that's a fair point. My first thought was, oh good, I don't want to be Hemingway because I don't want to be an alcoholic, but <laughs> setting that aside. <laughs> um, yeah, no, that's, that's a, a good point about the proximity um that you know there there can be opportunities where having the guest um recording of the experience with the guest close to the thing that we're talking about um that you couldn't even do that in a book let alone i would be a really good writer and i know that i've read books where they it can come through in writing um but yeah that's that's also another good point that i hadn't really considered about the the ability to do to do it quickly do it soon in time um and I'm I'm off running a little mental tangent about I do this particular show. <clears throat> I don't know if you recall or if you noticed when you go to schedule to be a guest on here, you can't go more than seven days in the future. And I actually get surprisingly, I'm not asking for people listening to start. I get surprisingly little pushback on that. And I do get people who go, oh, could you, could we do this in May or like, you know, six weeks out or something? And then I make a note and I circle back. But it, first of all, prevents people from Swiss cheesing my calendar <laughs> six weeks out. But it also means that, the, and this is what made me think of this when we were talking about that proximity idea, is it also means that there's very little time between when I say, hey, would you like to? And you say, hey, I think so. And then you click the button, you'll be in my schedule within a few days. And I find that that, that makes a difference because people come to the call and they I mean, I can't say everybody, and I don't know for sure, but it seems like they feel that the call is a continuation of the conversation that we started in the guest, you know, in the outreach letter. Um, so when I uh, DM'd you inside the the platform where the course is happening, you know, now I'm like, ah, connect the people before they disappear. And I was like, hey, would you like to do the thing? And you're like, yeah, I guess so. And I send you the link and you click. And it's like, I don't know, I think I did that like on maybe on Monday or Sunday or something, maybe Friday. And, and here we are on Wednesday. So I think your point about the proximity um, could also be useful to people who are out there trying to imagine how do I get guests, and I think maybe trying to play into the yeah let's let's have a conversation or an interview that is a continuation of this discussion that I would like to start today. Um, I hadn't really thought about 
I don't want to say weaponizing, but like act, act, making that directly actionable. So that's a good point that you make about the proximity. Again, no question. (laughs) (laughs) Interview yourself. Well, (laughs) yeah, sure. I can. I'll say I found the getting guests part to be the most difficult part of the show for me because I'm looking for specific guests who have gone through some type of turning point Mm. and experienced social rejection and come through in a way that they're proud of the decision or how they handled it or something. Um, so not a, dis- not a point that they were forced through. And one thing I came to yesterday is I've, I wanted to do weekly podcasts because <laughs> it's just like the way I wanted to do it. <laughs> and then OCD just, much. <laughs> yes. <laughs> and I realized that, just having that idea was such a huge blocker toward putting my podcast out because then I have to have four or five podcasts ready to go just to have that lead time. And it was really blocking my momentum. So I started to ask myself the question is having this parameter giving me more momentum or less momentum. Mm -hmm. And I realized weekly podcast, less momentum, um, and a a variety of other things were less momentum. So I started paring back on some of the, frameworks I had around the podcast. Mm. Well, what are things that you're leaning into that do give you momentum? I think still keeping the long podcast format because my interviews have averaged an hour and 45 minutes or two hours, and it takes a lot more time than somebody who's doing an hour. I mean, it's double the work for in, in the post-production and harder to land guests. But I found a lot of that unwinding for the guest. I mean, there's so much gold in the podcast that I've done after the hour, 20 hour, 30 mark. I mean, there's so much, there's in the beginning too. It's not like it takes that long to get there, but I find the more they get comfortable, we get past the rote answers. You know, it's hard to have two hours of rote answers. (laughs) Unless you're a politician, but yes. (laughs) I haven't, I have had one politician that I've thought about asking on, but I can't quite do it yet. I just, there's so much, have you had politicians on any of your podcasts? Um, I don't think so. I actually tried to interview, I'm not going to, this is a long story and I'm not going to tell it, but I tried to interview the mayor of a town that is a suburb of Paris. So a fairly well-known actual real politician in the office. And it, it didn't go well because first of all, it's language barrier and they wanted all the questions up front. I'm like, oh yeah, no, not that kind of interview. So I think that I didn't have the right, uh, I needed a completely different set of skills to approach that kind of person. So I was, I was out of the gate on the wrong foot, um, but no, I never had any actual real politicians. I've heard it can be disenchanting. Yeah. I could see that. (laughs) The same thing can happen though. If I, I've had guests where, you know, it took us a long time to get the energy to go or to click. I I call it the entry point. Like this is where the thing is actually going to start when it goes out. Um, For my other projects on my other projects, I do long form stuff. Um, and sometimes I, I think the record is I spent 20 minutes of tape. I mean, it, you know, it's all digital, but I think I spent 20 minutes of tape talking to somebody who I knew, like I knew this person fairly well from, you know, training together a whole nine yards. And it was like, took me 20 minutes until I finally found the right thread to pull on that, it, that invited that person to 
to just like jump on it. Like, whoa, I'm in, you know, and they were for the whole part before they were just kind of like, this is interesting. I'm giving you the benefit of the doubt. Not sure where you're going with this, Craig. It's interesting you say that about it being someone that you know, because in the podcasting workshop, they recommend you have people you know really well at the beginning, and then you transition to people that you maybe don't know as less. <clears throat> I've found it to be the opposite, which is I found it much easier to interview someone I barely know, much harder to interview someone I know really, really well. Because That's the person deep wisdom. <laughs> yes. <laughs> so I don't I don't know that I would recommend people start that way. And I haven't had my wife on yet, even though I want to talk through our coming out experience six years ago. I know that I can't quite see it yet from where I can figure out what the listener needs to hear. And even having one guest on that I knew intimately well, talk two or three times a week, very hard to see, to not think about what they are feeling. Whereas the guests that I don't know, I'm just thinking about the listener and making them feel safe, but not really knowing hmm. it doesn't have all those roadblocks. I'm watching our time tick away. Um, I have a <laughs> chapter in my book that I haven't written about why interviewing people you know really well is exceedingly difficult, but we'll leave it at that for today. Maybe we, you know what? We'll do another episode. <laughs> you can, you can be the first repeat guest, um, schedule in for Thursday or Friday. Um, I'm not kidding. Uh, and we should really talk about that, about what it is about people that you know really well versus don't well. I have lots to say about that. I'm not saying I have all the answers, but we could talk about that for another 20 well, I'd minutes. I'd like to pick your brain on it. But I think this is a good place to stop for this episode for today for our first chance, first opportunity to get a chance to sit down and talk. It was a distinct pleasure. And thank you so much for taking the time. Thank you, Greg. It's been great.